I don't know how to follow that up, so I'm not going to try. Hopefully you got some good tidbits out of that, but uh, I want to welcome you today. Happy Father's Day, all the dads in the room uh, today. Hopefully you have a fantastic, relaxing day, and join us afterwards. We are going to be having some food and all that, and it's a good Father's Day when you're eating nachos by 10 a.m., okay? So you, you can join us afterwards. We're going to have a little fun outside. Uh, if you can stick around for 10, 15 minutes, that would be, that would be awesome. But, uh, you know, what I've realized is, is every, especially little boys, they always have something that they are um, proud of their dad about. It, it seems a lot of, most of the time, they have something that they're, it's either their dad is the strongest dad, or maybe they're really good at a particular sport, or maybe they have something like a gun, or, you know, some, something really manly like that, and they're like, you know, they, they, they kind of brag to their friends about their dad. Uh, my son, who uh, is about to turn five this next week, Ben, he, uh, the one thing that he talks to friends about and, and will say from time to time is that he's, he says, my dad has a superhero car, and it's just, it's a black Honda Accord, okay? So, like, <laughs> There's nothing special about it, but because it's a black car, he thinks it's, you know, superheroes drive black cars, I guess, and so he thinks it goes faster. So I've kind of just played along with it a little bit, and uh, he also now believes, and I don't know where he, where he got this, I might have, might have fed his imagination a little bit, but he also believes that the emergency brake, the little lever right here, when you press the button, missiles launch from the headlights. So... Um, Maybe I should correct him on that at some point so he doesn't tell people my dad launches missiles when he's driving down the freeway, which, by the way, anybody notice? 70 miles per hour. That means you can go 80. No, I'm just kidding. Don't. I won't confess how fast I drive at times. But at any rate, my, the thing that I, was, um, that I always kind of brag to my friends about, one of the things about my dad, and he's actually watching this right now at our Appleton campus, which no, no pressure, but uh, happy Father's Day, Dad. Uh, but the thing that was very, uh, that I always brag to my friends about is my dad was the coolest because he had one of these. Anybody have a guess what this is? It's not a toiletries bag. Just, just somebody said, said it. Just wait. Oh, there it is this ancient artifact right here. He had a car phone, and uh, I, I almost always remember my dad having a car, like he was a little bit of an early adopter to the car phone, so when I was, I don't know, maybe six, seven years old, something like that, he got a car phone, and I would, I'd show my friends, I'd be like, check this out. My dad can make a phone call whenever he feels like it, and it, you know, it's, I didn't tell them that it's like $5 a minute and that the reception is horrible, but he, he actually, this isn't the one he had. Uh, the one he had actually, he had several of them throughout the years, but he uh, uh, had one that the antenna actually went on the roof. You guys remember the ones that would like magnetically stick and you had to have your window kind of like cracked, and so if it's raining, you know, there, there's rain coming in and all that. The reception's horrid, but, and this whole thing, by the way, is like a battery that lasts about four minutes, so... Um, <laughs> We've come a long ways uh, since the car phone, and uh, now, I mean, everybody, you know, let me see if I can get mine here, everybody has a, uh, a smartphone that has the capabilities of this, maybe about 250 computers in this day, I mean, how, how many are thankful that uh, you have navigation on your phone? Can, do you remember the days of, I don't remember it as a married 
man, which is probably healthy for my marriage, but I remember my parents having the atlas on trips, and they, like, highlighted the route and all that, and if there's construction, you're just done, you know, like, you don't have any warning whatsoever, and so um, you always had to buy the new atlas every year, make sure, you know, roads would change and all of that, and I think it's a good, or remember CD cases that you would have to, like, a big briefcase with, like, several hundred CD, by the way, they say texting and driving is dangerous, and I agree, it is, but it's not nearly as dangerous as flopping open, like, a 200, like, a briefcase on your lap, taking a CD out, thank God for iPhones so that we don't have to deal with that anymore, but, uh, you know, we're more, uh, I say all that, I, I am going somewhere with this, I'm going to try to kind of bring it back, but, uh, I say all that to say we're more connected than, than we ever are, than we ever have been. I mean, this was 20, 25 years ago. This was the world that we lived in where this was cutting edge. And in 25 years, man, we're just more connected than ever before. And there's, there's many positives to that. I, 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 I love technology. I'm, uh, I, I think it's a great thing. I think that there's several advantages to it. The fact that we can even, this can be seen via live stream at another church campus 90 miles away where there'll be people. I mean, that's, that's just pretty cool that we can leverage technology in a positive way. There's a lot of good things. Uh, life has improved because of it, but there's also a backside to it. And, uh, and I, I firmly believe, and I'm not here to, uh, to say that, you know, all technology is bad, but there is a backside to it, and statistics would back it up that we've become, we're more connected than ever before, but there's maybe less, in, there's less relationship than ever before, that we've actually traded information for relationship. The number of close friends people have is, is going down. I mean, I, I can give you a couple examples. Social media, uh, all of us, you know, that are on social media, we, we know a lot of people. Like, we kind of, we have a lot of acquaintances. But how many people do you really know? I mean, you know a lot of information about people, but how many people do you really know? Or, or, or here's another example. How many of you recently have gotten a phone call and, and you're just thinking, why don't you just text me. Like, uh, I don't want to talk to you right now. I don't have 30 minutes. Just, I just need it. Am I the only one that does this and I feel terrible? But, uh, but I, know, I know you've done it before where you're like, man, texting is just, just so much more convenient. I just need an immediate answer and I don't have time for all the how are you doing and what's, you know, I, I just want to get down to just, can you give me this person's address? That's all, that's all I need right now. And, uh, but because of that, I mean, that mentality has equal to a lot less relationship. It's, everything's a little bit more about information than it is about relationship. Or if you, maybe you've seen this, have you gone to a restaurant? And this just drives me crazy. Uh, I don't think my kids are ever getting a cell phone because of this kind of stuff. But they, you'll see like five or six, you know, a whole family out to eat and every one of them is just locked in to their cell phone. And you're just, like, I've watched it before where it's like 10, 15 minutes where nobody has spoken to each other. I mean, they're just locked into their phone, and I'm like, I, I hope they're breathing, you know, like, are they coming up for air? They're just so focused on this, and I think, I, I think we've all seen this and experienced this, that we've traded information uh, for relationship, or the other way around, we've, we've kind of passed off relationship for information, and, uh, you know, there's a, a passage of scripture in the Bible that talks about this very thing, as it relates specifically to the relationship of a father, and, you know, the Word of God is timeless. It's timeless truth that, that applies to our lives today. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 
uh, spend just a moment in there. But before we get into that, as you're kind of turning there, it's also going to be on the screens. But uh, give you a little bit of background of this passage of Scripture. The, uh, the, this is a, a letter written from the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. And a lot of the New Testament is letters written by Paul to either churches or pastors. That's, that's really what it is. That if it's a city name, like Corinthians would be the city of Corinth, it's written to a church. If it's a somebody's name, if it's a person's name, it's written to a pastor. And a lot of times it was, it was either correction or encouragement, maybe a combination of both. First Corinthians was more of a corrective letter to the church in Corinth. He, Paul had planted the church. That's, he was an apostle, which meant he went into a town, planted a church, raised up leadership, passed it off to the leadership, went on to the next town. And uh, that, that's what he did all throughout the New Testament. And uh, the church there was dealing with, with some issues. They were dealing with some immorality. Uh, the city of Corinth was a very wealthy city, very educated city. And as a result, they were very arrogant, very immoral. Um, honestly, Corinth reminds me a lot of the country that we live in. I mean, I'm not speaking all bad. It's not all bad, but we're very educated, very wealthy, and there's a ton of immorality that happens here. And so that was starting to creep into the church. And so Paul is writing a corrective letter uh, to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 14, it says, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Let's stop right there for a second. Paul saw himself as a spiritual father to the church in Corinth and, and all the churches he started. He said, I'm, I'm kind of like your spiritual father. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, another translation says teachers in Christ, even though you have 10,000 teachers in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel, therefore I urge you to imitate me. For this reason I have sent you Timothy, my son, referring to a spiritual son, uh, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Paul here, I believe, sets this, this tension of you have a lot of information. He says you have 10,000 teachers. I mean, you got, you got all the information in the world. I mean, we live in, uh, Corinth was such an educated city. Was, I mean, they had no lack of information. There's teachers everywhere, but you don't have a whole lot of fathers. You don't have a lot of relationship. You have a lot of information, not a lot of relationship. Corinth, the, the church in Corinth, what Paul's suggesting is you need more fathers, that's the problem. You don't have enough fathers that are setting a godly example. I mean, he says, let me be, I'm your spiritual father. Would Just try to imitate me. Let me set the example for you. He says, you don't have a lot of that, and that's the problem that's going on. That's why you're seeing, if you read through the book of 1 Corinthians, that's why you're seeing all of this immoral stuff happen is because you don't have that example. You need more fathers, whether it's spiritual fathers or biological fathers. I don't, I don't think he's really differentiating between the two. He's like, I don't care which way. You just need more men that are going to set an example for everybody. And I, I believe that that's the world that we live in today. Paul understood that when you take out the role of the father in a society and when you diminish the role and when it's not as present as it needs to be, that the, the results are devastating. And we've seen that in America. We've seen the results be devastating when you diminish the role of the father. I'm going to give you a few statistics. These the statistics are not meant to depress you, um, but kind of set the stage for what happens when, when there's a fatherless home. There's, this is just, uh, on average, 
Uh, children that grow up in a fatherless home are five times more likely to commit suicide. They're eight times more likely to go to prison. They're nine times more likely to drop out of high school. They're 10 times more likely to abuse chemical substances. They're 20 times more likely to have behavioral problems. They're 20 times more likely to become rapists. They're 32 times more likely to run away. They're 33 times more likely to be seriously abused. And they're 73 times more likely to become fatally abused. These statistics speak to this truth that when you remove the father figure from society, the results, the results are often devastating. And I know that there's single moms in the room that are, are trying to raise their children. And let me just encourage you for a second. Those, these statistics don't have to be true of your kids. That I believe that we serve a God who will make up the difference. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. That We serve a heavenly father that can make up the difference and give grace where grace is needed. And so I'm, I'm not trying to depress you with these statistics, but it is the reality. I mean, it is the world that we live in. And why is this the case? Man, it's because nothing can replace the example of a good father. Nothing can replace a good dad. And I, that's why I think the devil attacks this relationship so much. I think this relationship is under attack like never before because Satan knows if I can take this out, the, the, the results are absolutely devastating for society and specifically for that family. And so the question is, uh, I, I'm, I'm, again, not trying to depress you, but what do we do about it? You know, Ryan, okay, we're supposed to give us some answers. What do, what do we do about it? Here's the, here's the good news. And I firmly believe this, that for every single problem that we face, that the God that we serve has an answer. The God that we serve has a solution. Do you believe that this morning? That the God that we serve has a solution to this epidemic. And I want to give you just a few words of encouragement today. And uh, specifically, I'm going to give you three things because that's what pastors do, three points in a poem, that's how they train, no, but I, I just want to give you three things today that are specific to, these are, these are things that, this is not a process, these are not like, hey, do this, this, and this, but these are simply things, I believe there's, there's a lot of different types of people in this room, and one, maybe two of these things are going to speak specifically uh, to your life, because here, here's the deal, and I've been processing this and praying about this uh, this week, um, and kind of a little bit nervous about this message just because I know that I'm speaking to a wide demographic that there's people in this room that maybe you never even knew your father it was non-existent in your life not a part of your life at all Father's Day means something very different to you there's others of you that have maybe had a, a bad father and there's a lot of hurt, a lot of pain there's some of you that have maybe lost your father maybe recently and Father's Day just, man, it just brings up a whole set of emotions, and it's, it's difficult. And sometimes I think that we don't, we don't really think that God can understand and sympathize with us, but the Bible says that he's a sympathetic high priest, and I think he understands more than we give him credit for. In fact, I believe that Jesus himself walked through a, a difficult circumstance with his father. If you, if you read through the, the, um, the crucifixion of Jesus, that... Jesus himself, I believe he lost his father, that his father died at some point during his life here on earth, um, that sometime during Jesus, probably during his public ministry, sometime in that range, at least between the age of 12 and 33, somewhere in there, Joseph is, is no longer in the picture. And at the crucifixion, Jesus actually gives his mother Mary to be cared for by 
John, which that would only happen in that culture if, uh, if she didn't have a husband anymore. And so it's pretty safe to say that Jesus, and Jesus understands a little bit more than we give him credit for what it's like to have some hurt and some grieving and some pain. And he truly can sympathize with every person in this room today. And then there's others of us that have had a great father. And Father's Day is a great time to celebrate that. I, I've had a great father, and so I'm not going to pretend that I can man, sympathize with every single person in this room. And everything in between. So Father's Day, I know, it brings up a whole set of emotions for every person in this room. But I believe that God wants to encourage us today, regardless of, of what our Father's Day might look like today. There's a few things that if we simply look for, I believe we will find. The first, the first one, if you're taking notes, these are just going to be real simple. They're going to be on the screen. But the first one is this. I believe today on this Father's Day we can find healing. We can find healing. Again, um, this is going to apply to a certain demographic in this room that you've experienced hurt and pain. And you have in your heart maybe, maybe some bitterness, maybe some anger, maybe some unforgiveness. And I believe that God wants to heal you of that today. He wants that process to begin today. There's a book, Wild at Heart, by a guy named John Eldridge. I don't know if, you, if, if you've read this book. If you're a father raising young boys especially, I think this is a great, uh, a great book uh, for you to read. But the whole, prom, uh, the whole premise of the book is simply that uh, in raising boys, I don't know if it, how, how many people have, have little boys, like under the age of 10 at home, okay? Uh, a lot of us. And, uh, you know, we, my, my son just had a birthday party this past week, and so we had like eight to 10, or we, no, we had eight. Got to remember the exact number. We had eight little, uh, like, kindergarten age, you know, four and five-year-old boys that were at our house, and I, it, all the parents left. And we were like... <sighs> Let's just, it went, I literally went into survival mode. I was just, the boy, they were like swinging bats at each other and just, it was just nuts. But there's these little boys, they have this, this in them, this instinct to just like be destructive and hurt things and kill things. And like, they just, that's just how they're, they're, there's kind of a hard wiring. The book talks about how do you redirect that energy for the things of God. And in that book, it specifically talks about how uh, many of us carry around what he calls a father wound. That there's a father, there's a father wound, something that has happened in the past, some, some type of hurt and pain. And he says that if you don't allow that father wound to be healed, uh, you'll react in one of two ways, specifically talking to fathers, that you'll react as an overly passive father, which means you're pretty disengaged. You're, you don't discipline. You're, you're just kind of, you kind of let... Maybe your wife run that whole, you know, man, she can do the discipline. I know we joke about that with Nate and Kevin, but like you're just, everything just goes to mom and you're just kind of not really actively engaged in your kids' lives. And then there's, or you react in an overly aggressive way. And there's dads that are like dictators of their home and they're, they can even toe the line of being abusive and uh, sometimes cross that line. And so there's the, you'll react in a negative way if you don't allow that father wound to heal. And that doesn't just happen with guys. This, this also happens with ladies as well, that we all have a father, and there might be a wound there from our past. And today, I believe God wants us to experience healing. And you know, that there's a, there's the, the Bible talks clearly about how are we healed 
from, from things that we're holding on to, which I believe a lot of times is sin. It's, it's sin that we're just, this bitterness and anger and things that we're dealing with. James chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This is one of the most fascinating scriptures in the entire Bible to me because all throughout the Bible you see that the formula for forgiveness is confessing your sins to God. And he will forgive you. He will throw your sins. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, which is infinitely, you know, like you can't even wrap your mind around that. But the recipe for, or the formula, rather, for healing is very different. It's confessing your sins to one another. I don't know why God designed it that way. I'm not sure. But there is power in confessing something to somebody else. Do you have somebody in your life if you're a guy, maybe there's another guy who, who, who's a Christ follower who you know and trust that you can say, man, I've never said this to anybody before, but I, I carry around what this book refers to as a father wound. I, I, I carry around some hurt. And I'm just telling you, I don't, know, I don't know why it's designed this way again, but immediately that healing process will begin. And maybe you've never done that before, and I'd encourage you to do that. I'd encourage you uh, to find somebody. That, that's why we have life groups here at, at Life Church. It's not because we need another Bible study and a bag of Funyuns. You know, it's, it's not, although that's great and awesome, it's not because we need that. It's because we need relationship. We need other Christ followers who are occasionally going to call us out on things that are occasionally, that we can go to and say, hey man, I need prayer for this, or I'm dealing with an issue. And I know that that's a very vulnerable place to be, and you might not feel comfortable and all that, but I'm just telling you, that's the only way that we're going to be able to heal from some of our past, some of the things that, that we deal with. You, you know, you're only as sick as your secrets. I, I, I firmly believe that. And so some of us today just need to experience healing. We need to find healing today. There's, there's other of us, others of us that need to find a father or be a father. Find a father or be a father, and I'm specifically referring to uh, being a spiritual father. Uh, there's some of us that have never had, maybe never had a, a good earthly father and a good example, or maybe we have, but you know, we, we just we we still need somebody in our life who's going to uh, who's going to encourage us, who's going to be there, uh, who, who's maybe a little bit further down the road than us that we can ask questions to. And this is happening here at Life Church, by the way. There are several men that are paired up with other men, oftentimes that are younger than them, that they're just pouring into their lives and helping mentor them and kind of disciple them and kind of, you know, here, here's, what I've, here's what I know, here's what I've learned. But that relationship isn't just going to happen. There's not going to be somebody that just taps you on the shoulder and says, I want to be your spiritual father. <laughs> that just doesn't happen. That You have to seek that relationship out. Some of us need to find a father. Um, that's what Paul talks about, where he, he's talking about being a spiritual father to the church in Corinth. There's other of us, others of us that need to be a father, that we've maybe had the, a good example in front of us, and we're maybe mature in our faith, and we need to find somebody who's younger than us and say, you know what, I want to I pour into your life a little bit. I, and, and I don't know how that relationship all happens, but it'll happen. I believe if you ask God and say, God, I, I just I send somebody into my life, I believe he'll do that. Uh, the Bible talks about this in Psalm chapter 68, talks about this whole concept of spiritual fathering and, and, and what that looks like. He says, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. 
families. I, another word you could use there is groups. He sets, he sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Some of us today need to, need to be somebody's family. We need to be somebody's father. We need to be somebody's mother. We need to be an example to somebody. I can't tell you how many people, um, my grandfather over the years, that I've heard say this about him. In, in many different contexts, they say, they say this, he was, he was like a father to me. And, and genuinely, I mean, there's some people that he has done some serious, like, fathering to, that he's had people live with them. I mean, like, I'm, like he's, he's kind of gone to the extreme level of being a spiritual father. And at his funeral about 18 months ago or so, or close, close to two years ago, um, can't tell you how many people I heard say things like that. He, he was like a father to me. The question for, for myself and the question for a lot of us today is how many people, who's going to say that about me 20, 30, 40 years from now? Who's, who's going to say that about me? He was like a father to me. Some of us need to find a father. Some of us need to be a father. And the last thing is this, and I think this applies to every person in this room. All of us need to find God as father. We need to find God as father. You know, our goal as a church, one of our primary purposes is to help connect you relationally to your heavenly father. And, and, and not make it religion or formality or anything like that, but truly make it a time that we can help connect you to your spiritual father, where you, it's beyond just a, a formal relationship, but it's, it's, it's a real, deep relationship. I mean, that's what God wants more than anything in the world. Did you know that? I mean, he, he wants so badly to have relationship with us, and there's some of us, we have relationship, but God wants it to be so much more intimate than it is, and there's some of us that have never experienced that. We've never, it's always been, going to church is more of a religious thing. It's not uh, more of an intimate relationship. It's not a t thing where we're taking time to actually talk to God daily, where we're, you know, actually consulting him on things, on problems that are going, like we're actually in relationship with him, and we really view him as our spiritual father, where we can wake up on Father's Day and say, happy Father's Day to our Heavenly Father, to have that kind of of relationship. In fact, in, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, in the Gospels, when he, he talks about the Lord's Prayer, it, Jesus even says, this is how you should address God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. I mean, you, you, many of you know that, the Lord's Prayer. But he says, our Father, that's how I want to be addressed. That's how I want our relationship to be. Jesus even refers to God the Father as Abba, which is literally translated as Dada or Daddy. I mean, just think of yourself as a little kid, one of your first words being Daddy or Dada. That's the kind of relationship that God wants with us. This is, this is, what, this is how God views us. James chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, it says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows, who is constant, who is consistent, does not change. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. That we might be the firstfruits of all he created. I love that verse. 
Because your first fruits, I mean, anybody reading this back in the day, any, any, any Jewish person would have understood that this, what this means. This is to, your first fruits were your very best. You'd bring your very best offering. In our context today, it's the tithe. It's bringing the first 10% of everything we make to the, to the storehouse. That's how God views us. Out of everything he created, and there's some beautiful things God has created. Uh, this past week, Amanda and I, we had the opportunity uh, through a, a set of circumstances where we, we had some downtime, and we were able to, we were in California, and we were able to go to Yosemite National Park. Has, has anybody ever been to Yosemite National Park? Raise your hand. Absolutely beautiful. I mean, it, I'm, I'm a pretty steady Eddie type guy. I don't have a lot of highs, high, high highs and low lows. I'm just kind of, it's kinda maybe hard to impress me sometimes, <laughs> I'll be honest. But it was, it was breathtaking, just absolutely beautiful. And out of everything that God has created, all of his creation, he says we are his prized possession. That we are the very best and some of you need to hear that today, that we are God's prized possession. Uh, I remember the day, it was almost exactly seven years ago, um, that we brought our first child home from the hospital, May. And wow, that is an experience. And maybe you've experienced that, or maybe it was an adoption day or something, you know, that you've experienced kind of Right when we got in the car, you know, we had the nurse comes down, make sure that we know how to use the car seat and all of that. I'm thankful for that, by the way, because I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, but uh, I still do it wrong from time to time. But anyway, um, uh, we put her in there, get in the car, about to drive away, and it's like just an immense amount of pressure and responsibility came over me like never before. Uh, I don't know if any other dads can relate to that, it, it literally, like, my, it was, it was overwhelming a little bit, it's like, there's no nurses anymore, we're like, we are on our own, and we're driving home, and I'm going much slower than, than normal, okay, I'm, uh, you're going 10 miles per hour, and somebody passes you going 30, you're like, it's 30, it's a 35 mile per hour zone, why are you going 30, you know, you're like, freaking out a little bit, and I mean, I'm just telling you, I would, like, there, if anybody messed with May, I mean, I'm just telling you, I would make the news that night. I'm just, uh, just, just gonna be honest. Like it, local pastor uses nine iron, and, and, and no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I'm just telling you, I would do anything to protect her, to care for her. I mean, you, parents in this room, you know what I'm talking about. It's just an undescribable amount of love and compassion and protection and provision. I mean, it's just a responsibility. And to think that our Heavenly Father, how much more does He love us than that? In fact, there's, there's a type of love that we can't even have. I mean, we have phileo love, which is the Greek word phileo, which just means like an earthly love. We're not capable of having the same type of love that God has for us. It's an agape love, which is a reckless unreciprocated love. It doesn't have, it doesn't expect anything in return. That's the type of love that God has for us. And today on this Father's Day, he wants nothing, nothing more than for all of us to have that relationship with him. It's not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. 
but he says, my grace is sufficient for you. I love you. You're my prized possession. I want to be your heavenly father. And today, can you really view God as your, as your heavenly father? Today, I just encourage you, as, as we wrap up, you know, another, another word picture that God gives us in Scripture. And I love that he gives us a lot of word pictures. As my mind's a little too simple sometimes to be able to really equate and, and understand everything. But um, the story of the prodigal son, where the Bible says, while, and it's talking about the, the, God the Father being the, being the Father in that story, and the Son being all of us. And it says that his son came back, and while he was still a long way off, the Father ran out to him to meet him. I mean, I'm not going to go into the full story. Many of you know it. But there's this immense amount of compassion that God has for us. It says, I'm not going to sit here and wait with my arms crossed, saying, I wonder when they're going to come home, wonder when they're going to come back. No, he says, at the moment that I see you, the Bible says he stands at the door of our hearts and knocks, and if anyone opens that door, he will come in and have relationship with him. That's the kind of God that we serve. And today, if you've never experienced that relationship, the Bible says it's as simply as Romans 10, 9, that if we confess with our mouth, we believe with our hearts that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. The old is gone, the new has come, that we begin that relationship with him. And I just encourage you today, it's a simple, I'm not even gonna have you like slip up your hand or anything. I just encourage you when I'm, I'm gonna pray in just a minute that you just take a moment, just say, God, I wanna start that relationship with you. I want you to be my heavenly father. I invite you into my life today. And it's as simple as that. And it's instantaneous and progressive, meaning that it happens in a moment, but then over time you begin to grow closer and closer and closer and develop that relationship and become closer to God than ever before. That's, and maybe some of you today, you're saying, I have that, but man, I just I want it to be a deeper relationship. And God wants that too. And he just simply says, would you allow me? He's never gonna force himself on you. But would you allow me to have that heavenly father relationship with you?